Hello and welcome to this special bonus edition of Double Reel. I'm James Adamson, and together with my co-host James Adamson, we present a special, spoiler-tastic discussion of the new Bond film, No Time to Die. Originally, this was a post credit sequence at the end of episode 19. We've decided to present it to you on its own now, so it's easier to find, especially for those of you who may still be waiting to watch the film and come back later to find our discussion. We give you our own unique perspective on what we thought of the film, the choices they made for both character and story, and what we liked and didn't like. As a result of some of those choices, and knowing that Daniel Craig won't be returning to the franchise, we also discuss what is next for 007. We hope you enjoy it. Warning, spoilers ahead. This is a discussion at the end of the credit session for the Double Real Film Podcast, and we're going to discuss the new Bond film. Um, we carefully avoided spoilers when we reviewed it together on the last episode. This is for people who have seen it and want to discuss or hear us discuss some of the uh, key plot points and other things that happened in the film without ruining it for everyone else. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to know what happens in it and ruin your experience, uh, switch off now and uh, we'll speak to you later. So, James, um, we discussed on the Bond film that there were some interesting uh, choices, quite a big ending, quite a few kind of uh, decisions that they made with the story of the new Bond film. And um, I've seen a few spoiler-based discussions by other areas as well, so it's obviously something everyone's talking about. Um, so why don't we just get into it? What did you think of the uh, some of the key plot decisions that they made? Um, I didn't actually dislike the story. I thought the story actually... It, when you think about how it was meant to come out before the pandemic and didn't come out till after the pandemic, the story actually is kind of relevant in the terms of like the big bad for this Bond film. You know, it's uh, basically the premise is that there's a, a a virus that can basically be controlled by a computer, which is controlled by the bad guy Rami Malek. Yeah. Um, and it was a kind of like race against time, and because of that, um, it ends up being like the the main reason for the big plot point at the end, which we'll probably get into in a bit. But, um. On that particular Sorry. point, I thought that's quite interesting because I think e each Bond film is sort of tailored to or reflects kind of some of the, the you know issues of the time, which is why during the 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 Roger Moore and Sean Connery eras, there were quite a few um, uh, storylines about kind of bombs that were going to destroy the world, and you know a lot of tension between the world powers that are involved in the Cold War, and it turns out that it's some villain behind that who you really need to worry about. And, and I think nowadays we have different kinds of villains and different kinds of weapons that frighten people. And the idea of a some sort of chemical agent that kind of spreads and kills everyone and, you know, contaminates everyone, especially in these pandemic era. As you say, that was all dreamt up before the pandemic, but it turned out to be quite uh, timely, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I don't think they obviously didn't do that on purpose. They obviously just thought that because they, they had no idea there was a pandemic coming, but it ended up being quite you know, interesting about, you know, people's, you know, reaction to the pandemic and the, the reaction to this virus in this film. But basically, the virus is this thing that basically just kind of melts your face off in, like, four seconds after you get exposed to it. But the way it works is that you can be asymptomatic, I suppose. You can be a carrier, so you could have it, and it could be genetically mutated to not hurt anyone in your family or yourself, but it's genetically mutated to hurt somebody that you work with because the assassin doesn't like the person that you work with. So it's kind of like this untraceable um, an untraceable virus thing. Yeah, and the, so way, the, big the way it gets used is that someone, you know, someone can be carrying it and it doesn't hurt them, but it hurts everyone in a defined group. So if you're worried about someone, you know, you, you could actually be worried that you're going to inadvertently kill someone you didn't mean to kill because of what you're carrying, right? Yeah, um, 
So the the main reason this becomes a massive plot point because it's not just the big bad in this one. It's uh, it, basically the bad guy. What's his name again? Uh, something like Satan McLucifer or something like that. Um, yeah. Luc- Lucifer Ram- Safin. Yeah. That's it. Safin basically has this thing and he says you can... I don't want to kill you. I just want to kill everyone, Inspector. And then he's it's basically going to be sent around the world to kill loads of people, etc., etc. And then James Bond basically goes back to open up the silos, and then he says, "Right, I'll open up these silos, and you can fire missiles, and I'll get away in time." But Rami Malek starts shooting him, and sprays the toxin in his face, and because the toxin is designed to attack people and family members of people, Inspector, his other lovely fair lady, what's her name in this? Uh, Madeline. Madeline, she's her. She's obviously the daughter of Mister um, White, who's a Spectre, Spectre member. So James Bond now can't live and see his family anymore. So it's almost kind of inadvertent, isn't it? It's they fight and fall into the uh, fall into the waters, isn't it? Or did I did I did I see that wrong when I was watching it? Um, or does Rami Malek deliberately spray him with it? Yeah, he deliberately crushes it in his face. Oh right, okay, sorry, I missed that. What did you think happened? I, I thought it's when they were when they fell into that kind of poisoned water. So he did it on purpose. That's me. That's me missing missing the point at the end of the film. So Rami Malek sprayed it in his face on purpose. I get it. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, um, basically saying you're cursed, and that that as a plot point was actually quite interesting because you're kind of like, oh yes, he's gonna it's gonna be the end of the day, and you're you're totally thinking the end is gonna be he's gonna go. Or it turns out he's had a daughter with Madeline at the start of the film. He basically he's in some part in Italy, and he goes to visit the grave of uh, what's her name, Ava Green's character from the first film. Oh, my mind's gone completely blank. Her, Ava Green from the first film. Um, he's got to see her... Vesperlind. Vesperlind. He's got to see her grave. And uh, basically there's a bomb planted on it and he's convinced that uh, Madeline's up to it and she's involved, blah, blah, blah. And they basically... Uh, he he leaves her and they don't see each other for five years. Turns out she's had a kid uh, who has the brightest, bluest eyes in, in the world and she's like, oh, he's not. she's not your kid. And it's yeah, obviously right. that she is his kid. Yeah. And uh, there's very sweet moments where Daniel Craig's, you know, speaking to the child and it's all very wholesome and shit like that. But then it becomes this kind of, the narrative is, right, I've opened up the silos, I'm going to fuck off this island and we're all going to live happy after after. And then Rami Malek comes in and ruins it. Um, sprays him in the eye with the toxin so he can't get away and see see his um, his partner and daughter, and the the narrative totally changes in an instant. It's like oh shit, now now yeah. what happens? Well, yeah, I mean that that part means it, it meant because I think we both thought the villain himself was a bit weak because his motivation yeah. and his he, he felt like we said on, on on the podcast last month he felt like just another run of the mill Bond villain, and actually it's basically the whole thing is Bond and his story. So that and and again, it didn't it didn't ruin my um my our enjoyment because there's always a Bond villain and he's always trying to do something. And while it, the film would have been better if they put more effort into him, the actual plot point they created with that, the plot device they created that was quite good because he created this thing for Bond that said they finally got to the point where the, you know this guy has been kind of isolated and away from everyone and kind of living on his own all this time. Suddenly, there's a reason why not being able to be near people would be terrible. Yeah, and it's created a different narrative, and he's created a thing where the worst thing that could possibly happen to him is that he couldn't be close to people. And actually, this film has given him some people to care about that he couldn't bear to lose. And I thought that was an interesting way for them to take the story. Um, and obviously, having uh, uh, after Vesperlind, it seemed like he was never going to form a relationship with another, you know, woman again. But with Madeline Swan, he's actually found someone that he genuinely cares about, and. 
when they reconcile in the film, you think, oh, well, that's, you know, it's kind of Bond saying he's, after all these years of kind of keeping everyone out, Bond is letting people in again. So you, it, it while I think some of the narrative steps they've taken across the films, sort of some of them were, were missteps, I think taking Bond there finally, that he finally has something of a legacy. After all these years of, you know, he's got nothing, he's got no one, everything gets taken away from him and he's quite damaged. In the end, it's, he has, he's actually left a mark on the world. Do you know what I mean? He's actually, yeah. he's actually let, you know, he's actually, uh, he's not just going to disappear without a trace when he, when he dies, you know, when he finally fulfills the, 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 the death wish that, that this Bond has, which is very, very close to Ian Fleming and Daniel Craig played that kind of, you know, he kind of runs into danger with almost no regard for his own safety. And then suddenly it's really important that he stays alive because he's got these people that he cares about. And then the daughter, and and it, 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 I think I think that worked really well. The fact that he's not only does he have someone he cares about, you know, a, a woman that he's actually prepared to just stand in front of her and say, "Yeah, I love you. Um, I'm sorry for the last five years," um, and and he, and he's just prepared to put himself completely out there. And 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 more important than anything is is him and her now. And at that second, he gets the rug pulled down from him. Well, it's actually not just him and her, is it? It's actually, you know, the the, the daughter as well. And people have pointed out a really nice, a really nice moment in the film where he he gets Madeline and the girl's name is Marguerite, isn't it, the daughter? And he hands them over to um, the other double O agent, Numi, and says, "Look after them. They're my." And he doesn't say the word. You just see him mouth "family." And I know we've had all the kind of joking about um, Vin Diesel saying family every five minutes. But the way this is underplayed, that Bond has probably never said that word or not said that word for 40 years because his parents were killed and he's been an orphan all that time. And what's Mathilde, by the way? Pardon? Mathilde. Marguerite's the one from. Sorry, Mathilde. What do you want to call it? Last year. There you go. So, Carry on, sorry. Getting mixed up. Yeah, so Matilda. So he's so for forty years he hasn't had a family, although he sort of has because M M was kind of a a mother figure when Judy Dench was playing her and Felix Leiter. He first to Felix Leiter had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter. But all that time, it's it's like he didn't have a family, and he, he can't. He can almost not say the words. And I thought that was quite an effective moment. It was actually you know, it it's been good when Bond has had some emotional stakes, yeah. um, and so. Those those uh, those plot points were interesting. I do I do have I do have a couple of quibbles about about some of that, and it's not the reason not not a complaint about them choosing to do that. Right? It's having said that um, Madeline Swan has a daughter. MI six has been keeping an eye on her for five years. They said because there was all this suspicion that she was a Spectre agent, and you know they only kept her on because she was the only person that Blofeld would talk to. But they're keeping an eye on her in case she's a Spectre agent, and no one realizes she's got a daughter, and and or, or having realizing she's got a daughter puts two and two together, does the maths, and thinks that might be James Bond's daughter. It's kind of like a huge plot hole that they've that they've introduced that. Don't you think? Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Does it affect the story that much for you? Um, yeah, I, I suppose not. It's just you know, plot, um, it's a pedantic thing for a film. For films that are usually so watertight and polished, the ones that stick out as bad ones are ones like Quantum Inspector, where they're just not as tight and they're not as. I think. You know, I think what it what it goes to is that overall, um, Daniel Craig's had a good run as Bond. He's always been good. In fact, he's you know a lot of people's pick for best Bond, and and while 
my favourite Bond is Timothy Dalton, partly for nostalgic reasons. I was he was the person that became Bond when I was a boy and all of that. You can't deny that Daniel Craig's been absolutely tremendous as Bond. And um the thing is, is is hit rate for the quality of the films is only three out of five. And I think the the other two films would have been better, and I think we would be talking about an absolutely peerless run of Bond films if overall they just paid a bit more attention to making that story work because it it's actually fine if they want to make each story self-contained which most Bond films normally are but they've given him an arc across the films you know he was you know Quantum of Solace followed on directly from Casino Royale and and resolved some of the plot points in that and expanded the criminal organization from uh, uh from Casino Royale into something more um Skyfall then said there was more coming back from uh, uh, from M's past or the past of MI6. And then Spectre pulled all of those stories together and said, oh, it was all actually something that Blofeld was behind the lines um, manipulating. And I think they've, they've screwed up where they haven't actually successfully tied those storylines together. So while it's pedantic, it, it didn't spoil this film, but I, I think it does... Does indicate that if they do want to carry on doing this and having arcs across the across the films, um, they probably need to work a little bit harder on getting their story straight. Um, because yeah, they, they could have, they could have had five good Bond films with with Daniel Craig and not three, and all they needed to do really is try and get try and tighten the story up. Yeah, I think they. I think Quantum of Solace actually threw everything off kilter. Yeah, I think it was. It was one of those ones where they obviously suffered with the writers throughout that year, and Mark Forster and Daniel Craig were practically writing up the script as they went along. And you can really no you really notice that in the film. Yeah, and uh, well, when the action kinda, scenes when are kinda, very good in that. The storyline doesn't work, and I think had they been when making, they ran out of script, basically, you know, had, you can kind of see when they ran out of story. Yeah, um, and it's not just that they ran out of story; it's they started with the premise that this is going to follow on directly from the first from Bond uh, Daniel Craig's first outing as Bond, and it's going to follow on with Mister White, and it's going to follow on that. The, the organization that kills Le Chiffre at the end of Casino Royale is actually um, called Quantum. Uh, and there's this wider thing going on and this wider conspiracy. That's that's more challenging to pull off than just a self-contained story. And they really needed a couple of rewrites to make all of that work. And because they didn't get a chance to do any rewrites, they found themselves not just running out of story, but with story problems from the first act that they could never quite resolve. Yeah. Yeah, I did feel for that one, because that, that, the second film they were quite, in the franchise and, has always and, got a lot to live up to. And they were um, quite unfortunate. I think if, if there hadn't been a writer's strike, I'm reasonably confident they could have fixed those problems. Um, yeah. They couldn't um, fix the problem that they totally miscast the main villain, but that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't strong. I wasn't strong enough, but they could have they could have rewritten it and mm-hmm. you know gone over it, which they just didn't get a chance to do. Um, but again, they could have just said, okay, well, we're not going to do it. We're going to wait. We're gonna wait till we can give you a solo film, and then they did that with Skyfall, and Skyfall was a return, you know, return to form. And then Skyfall was excellent, and then they they fell over with Spectre because I think they completely mishandled the whole Blofeld bit. I think the trying to make out that the whole thing was of some huge master plan by Blofeld, it makes Bond into a bit of an idiot because this yeah. bloke, who's who's basically his stepbrother, yeah has been operating in the background, manipulating all of these events, and the combined intelligence skills of MI6 and Bond's kind of, you know, relentless bloodhound wants to find out the truth, doesn't work that out, and the whole thing catches him completely by surprise. It's like, 
I don't, I don't think everything needed to be tied up that way. And I don't think Blofeld's entire motivation for setting up the world's most dangerous um, uh, crime organisation was because when he was a kid, he was jealous of, of, of a boy his dad adopted. Yeah. It was a little it bit... Was, it wasn't strong. I, I, think, I think it was... And I think it's a missed opportunity because I think the idea of Christoph Waltz's Blofeld is, is pretty cool. There were, there were other things wrong with Spectre. I, I, th I thought the... There's an opening scene where he fires a shot and it blows up a whole apartment building. And then, then there's a major scene where the, the criminal's lair in the in the desert is Blofeld's big plan is to... I can't even remember what it was now because I kind of tuned out. But Bond fires one shot with his little pistol and blows up the whole thing. After films in Quantum of Solace and Skyfall and Casino Royale, where if Bond wants to blow something up or stop the villain, he has to hang off the side of something and get beaten up and, and, be, and be hanging on for dear life and only just do it in all the way a suspenseful action movie should. And in this film, he goes, I'll just blow that up. And then at the end where it goes, oh, Q, can you just kind of hack in and stop the bad guys doing this terrible thing they're doing? And Q goes, yeah, 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 quick, couple of keystrokes, done it. And then, oh, Bellafield's about to get away in his helicopter, fires a gun, does it. And it's like, oh. Having said that, I thought they avoided most of those missteps in this in this film, apart from the poor villain. I thought a lot yeah. of the other things they tied up quite well in this. So we we talked about the fact that Bond has um, a relationship with uh, with with Madeline. Back again, we've talked about how he has a daughter. We've talked about the whole kind of weapon of mass destruction, kind of tying into his personal life. Um, what about? Do you want to talk about the biggest plotline now, or do you want to talk about the others and do and do the biggest kind of story reveal as as the climax at the end? I don't mind your um, choice. Yeah, like I, I I don't mind. I think the only thing I still want to talk about is going into the into the villain. That's the only thing I want to talk about, and then maybe touch on the the whole 007 thing. So do you want to touch on the 007 thing let's, and then let's the villain? Touch, yes, there's a couple of choices that they made in the film, incidental ones. I I let's let's do this one quickly. I didn't like them killing Felix Leiter like that. Okay. I thought it, it, it. This is personal taste, and I totally get what they've done. But Felix Leiter has been a like a mainstay, and 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 mm. killing him off like that felt a little bit like overkill. It was obviously to give Bond emotional stakes for what's going on, but he's already got huge emotional stakes. Um, you know, he's he's you know, he's he suddenly realizes that something's been going on with with Madeline that's maybe. You know, you know, he's 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 damaged because of Madeline, and he's been dragged back in, and all of this stuff is happening. Killing off Felix Leiter feels like they've closed off a really, really big and important part of Bond's wider world, um, and I didn't like it. I, dramatically, it worked really well. You know, it was like a, a good moment. But then mm. afterwards, I was thinking, you could have had all the things that you had in that film without kill, killing off Felix Leiter. So I, I wasn't keen on that. I might be completely on my own in that view. Um, I thought it was a sad moment in the film. Um, and even, I went to see it with my girlfriend. She's never watched any of the Bond films, and even she was kind of like, "Oh, that sucks." And that's, I think that kind of resonates with the kind of character he was. You know, he yeah. was he was so he was so cool and he was so charming that my girlfriend, who'd only ever seen like one Bond film, was like, "Oh, that guy was cool," and then was sad when he died. Yeah. Um, I do get I do get where you're coming from. I didn't actually hate it too much. I was kind of like, "Oh, what a prick!" It kind of made me want him to kill that guy even more for being like a yeah. Kind of I, I, I think it, I think it was a very good moment in the context of the film. But afterwards, I was thinking in the wider con having created this idea that the Bond films continue, and you have this relationship with Felix Leiter. Um, mm. It's like, oh man, um, it, it felt like cu cutting off, you know. But on the other hand, if if the intention would be that the Anna Diarmas character is now his CIA liaison going forward, because I thought she was a really good character, 
And I thought if that's the new CIA liaison, I know she's young and inexperienced. I thought that that would be cool. That, going that's forward. probably what that's going to be. They wouldn't have her in the film and then never have her again if she was like if she didn't have the contribution that she has in the film. You'd hope. And, and let's come back to that that point among others when we talk about what now for Bond in the next film, yeah? Because I think that's a really good thing to to carry on. So that that's the Felix Leiter thing. The obvi- the other one was um, the other double O agent. So what what did you think of them having a, an additional double O agent in the film? thought it was good it had some kind of like healthy competition you know she does say like if you get in my way because they're both kind of on the same mission you mm-hmm. know i'll kill you kind of thing and um no she was uh she was she was cool she was yeah you know, I, I, was... I i thought it was good as well and we, we did talk about that before because we were talking about what now for the bond franchise it was one of our big conversations earlier in the year and we knew that she was because there's always talk about oh the 007's a woman in this and everyone's like oh what's this and, and it was pretty obvious to us wasn't it They've got an additional double O agent. That's what it is, right? And Bond's probably gone off and come back and they've given his number to someone else, which and is exactly what it was in the film. Even in the film, when they go for the... Uh, for that mission. She uh, says, when they go for the final mission, says, oh, yeah, give, give, give him his number back. Right, yeah. So it wasn't that big a deal for all Yeah, I, th- I thought that bit was fine. And I think we talked before about the idea of having more double O agents being more active in the story is is better anyway. I, I liked that. Um the only, the only downside, and I don't think, this isn't a flaw, I think the downside is a little bit that this was so much James Bond's story in this, and his whole arc, and it was the resolution of four previous films and this one, and his relationship with his new love of his life when we never thought that would happen again after Vesper Lind, and now he's got a daughter and all of this stuff going on. It was a little bit like, hey, we really like you, Lashana Lynch, and we really like the idea of adding a new 007, sorry, a new 00 agent into this, and it's great that we have this, you know, a bit more of a team on the mission. But then she had to kind of take take a back seat a little bit so that they could do these big storylines for Bond. So again, we'll talk about the future because I think in future having having introduced her, I don't I don't think that's a flaw by the way. I just think that means having introduced her, I think they can probably do more with her character next time if there is a next time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was bound to happen though, wasn't it? The, what, the story, the, the story is, was so final... much about Bond, wasn't it? It was so it much had about to what's going to happen it's, to it's, it's Daniel Craig's final turn yeah. as Bond, so yeah. it kind of had to be, we need to tie up all these loose ends. That yeah. I, d- I don't see that as a flaw. Films. Yeah, so a bit, it, they had to introduce the character, obviously, because, you know, where does, does it go from here? Um, I, did, I did. The only thing I didn't like about her character, which is not her fault, I think this was a writing thing, and it surprised me, given that they brought... Uh, Thieber Waller Bridge in to polish the script. Her little one-liner sign-off to kill that scientist. Because um, remember, he was being an absolute twat. He's going, oh, I, I, he says, I could wipe out your entire race at a stroke just by changing, you know, just by, you know, just with a switch switch of my computer. And she's finally had enough of him and chucks him in the in the acid bath and dissolves him. I thought the one-liner that she had for that was absolute shit. What was it again? I've completely forgotten it. I think it was. It, oh, you know what? Know what it is now? It's dying time or something like that. And then he, and then she chucked him in the water and she's like, "Come on, oh, you've right. got to give her a better one liner than that." Um, yeah, that's weak. Yeah, it was a weak one liner when you know she, you know, she said, come on, give her, give her a better line. You know, the whole point is that we have double O agents and Bond's not the only one who who can be a bit of a double O agent. It's like give her, a, you know, either don't give her a double, either don't give her a one liner at all. Yeah, and that's not her game. Yeah, or give her a good one. So I thought that was a bit of a letdown. Again, a minor quibble because I think generally she was good. The story was good. Um, before that, before the big one, is there any other 
are there any other kind of storylines that we well Blofeld Blofeld dying like that what did you think I thought I thought I actually thought Hans Ander was much better in this film they kind of redeemed him a little bit from yeah. Spectre yeah they gave him an opportunity to kind of say look we fucked up in the last one here you are and he was he was good um, that I mean the whole conversation the, the fact that there was a personal enmity between the two of them and the whole because he, he called him Cuckoo or Cuckoo in the Nest didn't he and him yeah. saying that as his final sign off uh, in that conversation was actually really good I think it it shows how much of a missed opportunity Spectre was because how how much cooler and how much more powerful would that have been if the thing between Blofeld and Bond in Spectre had been better but yeah. if you, but I kind of what I did was I kind of squinted and I said okay let's pretend that that it worked in Spectre yeah let's pretend that Blofeld is what they were trying to be in 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 that film and then let's do the scene do you know what I mean and I thought it worked really well for that it and makes the, you and, wonder sorry and then, it and makes then the, you sorry yeah sorry mate. sorry <laughs> it makes you wonder if they'd actually gone with the Felix Leiter plot point in Spectre and killed him in that one giving James Bond a little more bit more emotion or giving that scene where he starts to choke him by the neck. And then yeah. subsequently killing him by well inadvertently accidentally because he doesn't yeah. know he's carrying the he doesn't know he's and that which is a lovely bit of kind of Chekhov's rifle isn't it because he doesn't know he's carrying the 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 means the to weapon, kill basically, yeah, yeah Blofeld on you know on his hands um, so it gives it would have given that scene a little bit more meaning if it had been inspected yeah definitely this one um, but no um, yeah I, th- I thought it was kind of done to establish the of oh shit this this big bad isn't very is it very like counter attack you know what i mean in big sense it's not very how do we deal with something yeah i mean it, it is i mean silent as this. this is the thing the, the weapon that the that the villain had in this film was excellent uh, the villain himself wasn't brilliant but it was an excellent weapon because as you say it's so hard to fight against yeah which, um, which takes us back to what happens to james bond in this film i think is the thing that's left to discuss uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we might as well just come out and say it because we're doing the spoiler version. James Bond dies at the end of this film. He realises after he's been sprayed by uh, Rami Malek that his he is now permanently covered in uh, a toxin that won't kill him and won't kill anyone else, um, but it will kill his partner and his daughter if he ever goes near them again uh, and he's just found that he has this family that really has changed his whole kind of outlook on life because previously he was just going to hang around maybe Felix Leiter or someone else was going to get him involved in something and he would keep being that kind of recklessly you know violent bond that Daniel Craig has been until eventually he dies he slows down he can't, he can't, you know, hold it up anymore, and he, and he gets killed, or he, or he dies quietly somewhere, never having left a mark on the world. And suddenly, he's got something that his whole world can revolve around that really matters to him, and he can never go near them again. And as a result of that, he chooses to stay, and he kind of has to to kind of make sure the 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 silos are open so that the missiles can blow it up and save the world and everything. But he doesn't even make any effort to kind of get away and save himself because he's kind of, um, he's kind of, if if he can't be with those two people who who he now you know realizes are, are his family that he never had, then he doesn't want to live. And at the end, the missiles come down, and James Bond dies. 
even uh, shows you it happening. It's not even like it's inferred. It shows you him. It shows him engulfed in the flames as the missiles yeah. uh, blow up, and and being and being okay with that. Being the only time in the whole, well, very few times in the film, you actually see Daniel Craig's Bond sort of completely at peace. Was to say, okay, this is it, and and he stands on top, and 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 he goes, and uh, that's obviously the biggest plot step that they've taken to to actually kill off Bond on screen. And and so, what did you think of that choice? Um, well, like I said, I kind of th- you kind of thought this is the ending they're going to go for. And you just knew as soon as he got sprayed with that toxin that it was, you know, you. Well, I really hope they didn't do that thing where, oh, Q's going to look at this toxin and give him the antidote, etc. 007, I've got an idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that would have, I think, better to not introduce that idea at all than to try and cheat your way out of it, yeah? Yeah. So you kind of knew, okay, this is this is it. He's not he's not going to see his family again. So no. he's, I don't think he's going to be bothered anymore because that the, the torture of that would be too much for him to live with. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to stay on the island, you know, and die basically. And that I think that ended it quite nicely in terms for Daniel Craig. Yeah, and in in the context of that film, and in the context of the five films that Daniel Craig has been in. I think it was a, it was absolutely excellent the way to end the film. It does, having having spoken to sort of friends who've also seen the film, it obviously right people are asking questions now. This is okay. Well, what now, right? So I think it, dramatically and the way they did it, I think it was really well handled and it was a really nice ending. Um, but it does beg the question: Well, what are they going to do now? Yeah, that. For me, it seems like the the next film, they're going to kind of brush over that very quickly when they have a James Bond. They're basically just going to go, yeah, ah, Bond, like, or it's going to be, it's going to be. For me, think it makes me think they're going to have a very young James Bond now. Yeah, it's I agree. Going to be the, they've killed the old one, so the next one will be thirty. So, so just to clarify for the audience, um, while you might have thought of then, okay, what are they going to do? Is Lashana Lynch the new kind of 007? Are they going to totally change everything, and we're not going to have James Bond anymore? But the traditional four-word caption came at the end of this film, like it has for all the others. James Bond will return. So they, so they're not. This isn't the end for the James Bond character. It's very clear that there is going to be another James Bond. So the question is, how? And I remember when we had our big conversation, James. We were talking about a couple of things that they could do. For example, they might go the Idris Elba route and continue to have James Bond as this, like older grizzled character. Um, yeah. and he. Um, and you know you expand that team. You have Lashana Lynch as kind of the young agent who can dive out of windows and upsell down things. And and Idris Elba, it's a bit more. It could be Idris Elba, it could be Tom Hardy, it could be someone slightly older, have with that slightly different dynamic. Maybe he's the he's tough. He can kick the shit out of people, but he can't dive off the side of buildings anymore, right? And that would be the dynamic. That I don't think you can go that route when essentially you have to completely start again, really, don't you? So, like you say. I think it's going to be a younger Bond, same as you. The question is, though, are they going to brush over it completely or are they going to do something else? The evidence in the past is that they could just start again because with Daniel Craig, they did just start again, didn't they? He was a new double O agent at the start of Casino Royale. He gets his second kill and becomes double O at the start of that movie. And this five film arc has been the story of him as James Bond. And therefore, 
Pierce Brosnan's Bond didn't happen in the reality of those five films. Timothy Dalton didn't happen. Roger Moore didn't happen. Sean Connery didn't happen, right? And Timothy Dalton was a bit of a reboot as well because he was a younger Bond and they didn't really talk about any of his past. So that kind of was happening before. Not as, not as hard a reboot as Daniel Craig, but it was still Connery, Moore, Dr. No, 60s stuff, hat on the, on the rack. None of that. This is the new young Bond. And Brosnan was probably a continuation of that Bond. And Moore was probably a continuation of Connery's Bond, but Dalton was a reboot that pretended none of the other films had really happened. And Daniel Craig was definitely a reboot that pretended none of the other films had really happened. So they could just do that. They could just start again with a brand new Bond uh, and act like none of this has happened. If you do that, right, here's the problem they've created for themselves. You've introduced uh, Lashana Lynch's Numi. She's quite good. Felt there could be more to come from her, right? You've introduced Anna Diarmas as the new CIA liaison. She was really good. Definitely more to come from her, right? You've just given Rafe Fiennes two films as M, and he was quite good, right? Yeah. Um, and Ben Whishaw as Q has come good, and Money Penny's been quite. Um, uh, Naomi Harris has been quite good as Money Penny. If you completely start again as if nothing has happened, can you carry on with those characters, or did you have to clear the decks and have a new M, a new Q, a new Money Penny? Pretend that Felix Leiter didn't die and have him back or have a new CIA, you know. Because otherwise you'd be watching them going, don't they remember James Bond died in the last film? Do you know what I mean? Is that a problem? In your view, is yeah. it a problem for them to start again as if nothing's happened but keep... Because they sort of did that with Judy Dench, didn't they? She says, well, well, she's still M and we'll just pretend that she never met Pierce Brosnan. But like four or five characters that all knew Bond and worked with him, can you do that? Can you really? Uh, yeah, they're going to have to do very much a kind of... Like when they change Dumbledore, mm -hmm. like pretend that Dumbledore hasn't, you know, got a few years younger. Mm -hmm. But I suppose that's different because. I mean, know. I think they could do it. They could just reboot and pretend it, that the, the whole stuff never happened. And they like Naomi Harris. They like Ray Fiennes. They like Ben Whishaw. They can either do Felix again or they can do Anna Diarmas again. We'll just pretend, you know, just start again, like they have with Batman and stuff. Um. So that's one option is to just just start with a new bond. I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a new guy. So I think we're talking about we're shopping in the aisle that's got Nicholas Holt and uh, Soapy Dirisu and the guy out of um, Bridgerton, you know, any of those younger guys in it, right? Uh, and, and and that's where they're going to go. Um, do you reckon they're going to be completely bananas with it? And Oh, I don't know. Are they going to... Are they going to try and say that Madeline was pregnant just as James Bond died and she gives birth to a son and it's James and it's like 18 years down the line and Lashana Lynch is now and it's the son of James Bond. Do you reckon absolutely bananas with it? Or do I, don't, I don't think just... they'll go nuts like that. I, I have I have an idea. This is what I would do, yeah? Well, this is something that I would consider as an option if it were me. And I wonder if they would do this. And this, this was partly inspired by having a conversation one time with someone who wasn't all that familiar with Bond. And it kind of misunderstood why lots of different people have played James Bond from 1962 through to the present day. And he said, so is James Bond just like a, a name that they give the agent? And then the new person comes in and he becomes James Bond after the previous guy retires or dies. Hmm. And I went, no, 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 no. They just kind of, they're just getting you guy to play and they don't really explain it. When the went, other one oh, gets right. too old, basically. So what you could do, and here's, here's the thought that I had, is that someone else comes in and he's similar kind of profile to these double O agents they bring in before. They, 
They, they kind of hinted at it with Daniel Craig has seen around. They come through from the SAS or the SBS. The SBS is linked to the Navy and the Marines, so that would be the more likely one. Elite soldier, but he's got that extra intelligence capability. Um, and they're going to make him a double O agent in MI6. Um, but he's got to have a new name. And you could make this quite current because if you did want to have a secret agent who's that secret and that elite now, when they were 16, they had an Instagram account. You know, their mum liked all of their posts, all of their Facebook stuff, all of this stuff. They used to do TikToks. They've got a whole social media footprint where if they have their, if their name is down, even as a, you know, even if they're like their naval rank and no one admits they're an agent, there's a whole footprint that the enemy could kind of trace to not just find him, but his loved one, his family's where he lived and all that sort of thing and find leverage over him. So you have to give him a brand new identity with a whole fake background that no one can trace. Uh, and for the hell of it, they say, well, let's say James Bond 007. Maybe for plot reasons, having someone called James Bond, sorry, James Bond, um, confuses the 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 you know the the world's enemy. Spectre's been wiped out, but James, in these films, James Bond's not a very secret secret agent, right? So maybe the name Bond and the name 007 still has a footprint here and there in the intelligence world, and it suits their purposes for someone to be called Bond and 007 knocking about. So this new guy comes in, and he has to become James Bond 007. And you still have Lashana Lynch and Anna Diarmas and Ben Whishaw and Ray Fiennes as M and Naomi Harris as Moneypenny. And they remember Bond. And they remember he got killed. And here's the new guy. And he sits there thinking, they're all comparing me to the last guy. I wonder if I'm measuring up. And there's this whole tension. And he's got to adopt. He's got to be Bond. And he knows that he's got to adopt Bond. And it could be a way of rebooting the character and keeping the continuity of some quite good characters. Because I like Ray Fiennes as M. I like I like the way they've taken these supporting characters up to this point. It would be a shame to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And it would give you a little dynamic with a little wink to the audience. You're all watching to see how he compares to the old Bond as well, aren't you? So that's one way they could go. Um, yeah, it's going to have to be a complete and utter... But it's, going to have, it's a fresh start one way or the other. I don't think they're going to refer to Daniel Craig's Bond. I think the whole point of back to work was like, right, let's get back to it then. You know, yeah, that, I that's think it's not linger on the past kind of thing is what they're going for. That was just my that was just my pet theory, but yeah. I think I think what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to reboot completely, and to what extent they think they can get away with the old characters being there, they will. But there'll be there'll, there'll be no reference to a previous 007. It'll be a, it'll be a completely fresh start. But I do, I do hope they keep you know Lashana Lynch and and the other characters because I think they've been good. I think they might just have to do a fresh reboot and pretend that you know there'd been no more Bond, but they've they've taken those characters and Anna Diarmas. It would be a shame to introduce them and, and and get them into a nice place and then just never use them again. Yeah, keep that continuity, but you know, clean slate kind of thing. Yeah, it's a it's a new Bond arc, and they pulled it off with Daniel Craig um, as a reboot. So hopefully they can do that again. Uh, what have we still got to talk about? Just Rami Malek's. Yeah, he was an he was a disappointing villain. Just a quick one, yeah. Rami Malek is a bit of an alien, isn't he? He's a bit weird, he's a bit quirky. And sometimes it works, like Mr. Robot and Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it worked for this one. I think it was... I don't know whether the director was just too intimidated to say, look, I don't like what you're doing with this. Do you think it was his performance, or do you think it was just the the lack of... I, th- I think there wasn't enough in the script for him to work with to actually ground him, mm. so he was he was over overdoing it in his... In his character, because there wasn't enough in the script. The bit, the bit that, that just that fucking annoyed me was, he was like, he was like, oh, we are the same. We're both in love with Madeline, and now we both can't have her. 
and then he hits him with the toxins so now they both can't have Madeline as like yeah. nothing up until that point had Madeline said oh yeah I proper fucking fancied Rami Malik and he fancied me there was nothing mentioned about Madeline not wanting to be with this guy at all now that's obviously inferred because he murders her family but, he, but obviously he's, he's got that obsession with her because he um you know, pulled her out of the ice um but there's, there's, there are hints in the story, but there's not enough, is there? So when when he says something like that, you go, well, where did that come from? It's yeah, it's a. I think I think it was a misstep. He's not he's not the worst villain. I think the worst villain is that little French guy in Quantum of Solace, and I think they made they messed up Blofeld by kind of not tying him together properly, Inspector. But this Rami Malek, it was just like in the end, it was just like he's got a secret base, he's got a weapon of mass destruction, and Frankly, who cares what his motivation is because he's not the main story. But I think it, it I think you and I both agree that this is the if we were gonna rank the the Danny Craig Bond films, this comes in at number three behind Skyfall and Casino Royale. And I think you could argue on, on different days I probably have a different view of which of those two I prefer. But No Time to Die definitely comes in third. Probably because the villain wasn't good enough to just knock the whole thing over the top. Yeah, I I would say Skyfall's my favourite, then Casino Royale, and then No Time to Die, it's quite quite clear for me. I didn't really like it on first viewing, but now that I've had a think about it, it does have some weaknesses, particularly the villain, but yeah, definitely third. Uh, it's not as shit as Quantum of Solace Inspector. Oh, it's a, um, it's a it's, good it's a good third, right? I mean, I think yeah. I mean, Quantum of Solace was unfortunate, but you can't pretend it worked. And Spectre, Spectre's the worst because I think they had all the advantages. Skyfall had been a big hit. They brought in Sam Mendes. They had plenty of time to prepare. They had all the money that they needed. There was no writer's strike. They had plenty of time to set things up as a good film. And it just sat there and it and just it, it, it bimbled it's along kind of expensively and without nearly enough drama or excitement for what's meant to be like an action film. It's like, eh, yeah, yeah, well done. It was it was quite dull. Even that car chase between Dave Bautista and uh, and Daniel Craig just looked like a it looked like a fucking perfume advert. Do you know what I mean? With oh, aren't they driving nice cars? It wasn't. There was no drama. I thought Bat- Dave Bautista was a good henchman, but the rest of the story was just. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so, but in the end, no time to die. Definitely deserves to watch, be. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely worth watching, and I think. I think mostly they've got it right, and I think the villain, the villain's the only real drawback. Because while I've got quibbles about plot holes and killing Felix when I would have preferred them to go a different way, it all works in the context of the story, and it all comes together really well at the end. So I think I think they've pulled off a really really nice job, and and brave as well, quite brave to make some of the decisions they made. No, totally. Um... And, just could have and, been better, annoyingly. Yeah, sli- slightly better, yeah. And I think we've nailed our colours to the master. We think the next James Bond is going to be young and they're going to reboot. Uh, exactly how they pull it off, you can speculate one or two different ways. That's all for this special bonus episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Anchor FM. We are grateful for their continued support. The next episode will be our regular episode 20, which will be released in time for Christmas. Look out also for the next episode of our other podcast, which is coming soon and will be called The Adamsons vs. Nick Cage's Leopard Pyjamas. 
The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe and tell your friends. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films, and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media.